0: Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Meara, Democratic Pollster with GBA Strategies. And
1: I'm Kristen Soltis, Anderson Republican Pollster at Echelon Insights. And
0: each week we bring you the polls driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So lots of folks ask us sometimes if we hang out, do we hang out? you know, when we're not recording. And we didn't hang out this past weekend, but it sounds like we did the same thing, which was watch multiple Fire Festival documentaries.
1: The best way to spend a cold winter's weekend <laughs> is basking in... The warm Friday. fire. <laughs> the warm fire of a delicious documentary series. Um, watched both the Netflix and the yeah. Hulu
0: one. Did you watch them both? Yeah, well, so I watched... So my husband went out one night, and so I, I was like, I am putting the kids to bed. I'm going to put on the Fire Festival m- movie, and it's going to be great. And he came in halfway through it. I'm like, I'm going to watch it to the end, and then we can turn it back on in the beginning. I'm going to – I'm right here to watch it all again. It's number, I have round thought two. about rewatching it. And then, two, and then we had, like, a list of all these things to do around the house, and it had, like, you know, clean the mud room. And I was like, can we put – watch the other Fire Festival on the to-do list so we could – like have something we're excited to cross off the list. So like number one on our to do list was like watch other fire festival documentary. But I fell asleep during the middle of the Hulu one. I watched Netflix first, fell asleep halfway through Hulu, and felt like I was o- I was okay with that. Although I still want more. I still want more.
1: You're 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 not wrong. So I I did kind of the same thing. I, I stopped the fire festival one in part because I watched them both the same. Or I watched I stopped watching the Hulu one before it got all the way to the end mm. because I had already watched the Netflix one right. that night mm-hmm. and then had tried to like, okay, I'm going to watch something else. And so I started trying to watch Billions and like the pilot didn't really grab me. I had, there was, my buddy was crashing with my husband right. and I because he was moving from apartment to apartment and needed a place to stay. Right. He loves Billions. He's like, you guys got to watch Billions. And he had never heard of Fire Festival before. So we were like, oh, ho, ho. We, let's all watch the Netflix documentary. <laughs> um, So So as a millennial,
0: as a person who discusses and studies millennials, did did, did you feel, like, insulted by— Well, that's part
1: of what bothered me about the Hulu one, is that the Hulu one was like, uh, blame for this is on— the social media culture and the kids these days. And I mean, there's basically a fire festival happening every day in the Oval Office. And I was like, I just cannot with this. Okay, we're done. But the Netflix one is gorgeous. Yeah. The footage they have is amazing. They didn't pay Billy McFarland money to be in it. Right. Although it is a little compromised because the Jerry Jerry guys were involved. But I don't think that they let themselves off totally scot-free. No. Um, the Netflix one was an achievement. I just they really, need to put it in... They, I hope they put it in,
0: like... <laughs> time theaters,
1: No, like, theaters in New York and L.A. for two weeks so that it can be eligible for the Oscars next year.
0: <laughs> it, I What I enjoyed, I enjoyed it as, like a, a, like, a client management, like, project management, in addition to kind of its documentary. It stood on its own as documentary or thinking about the thing itself. And I loved how they're like, oh, I loved his concept of, like luxury at the beach like as if he was some kind of inventor who like you know <laughs> split the atom like yeah like I'm, what an amazing concept that you came up with all by yourself out of nowhere you know But <laughs> people want to party on yachts with models <laughs> wow how did you A ever revelation. think how did you ever think of that <laughs> so anyway so I found that kind of entertaining but but the, like even just the project management piece I'm oh, like piecing it together afterwards I mean that was I Maybe that's just – I felt that was also very No, but the, the
1: idea of – like they do some interviews in the Netflix one with people that were hired as contractors yeah. for the project. Yeah, like man,
0: like man Bun Guy.
1: Man Bun Guy, the concert, the, the yeah. festival, festival logistics guy. Yeah. Or the guy that got the fired food. who was like, we need – Fewer models and more bathrooms. And yeah. they were like, no, we don't need you're, toilets. You're what are you talking monster. about? You're done. You're done. Uh, the guy with, like, he was the one with the, like, the kind of a pilot's license. Yes. <laughs> like, he taught himself how to be a pilot from Microsoft Flight Simulator. Oh, it was, my god like, There are the polls. the 7,000th craziest to. thing in that documentary was that the
0: pilot taught himself how to fly a plane <laughs> from Microsoft Flight Simulator. I know, I know. But, anyways. You but, know, like, you could also envision the guys <laughs> behind the camera, like, yes, <laughs> like, that is so great.
1: Uh, but then, but, like, the these <laughs> consultant people all sort of realizing that their end client, like, this is going to be a mess. Right. I, I've i been very lucky that most of my clients have been great. But, like, we've all had a client or two where, like, you just – you see the train coming. And you're like, I'm going to do this survey for you. Right. <laughs> I can tell you what your numbers are. But this is going to be ugly. Right. <laughs> like, a, a poll is not what you need right now. You need toilets, not bottles. <laughs> toilets, not bottles. You can't words words that work your way out of this, man. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Um, right. So, anyhow, uh, that was that was fun. You're great. Uh, also, listeners, uh, Margie's birthday is coming up, yes. so make sure you say send her a happy birthday. That's right. Note. Or
0: donate to a World Central Kitchen, which is Jose Andreas, a local DC chef. Chef celebrity for the folks who are not in D.C. It has a food relief program and he has one in the D.C. area for families that have been affected by the shutdown. There are lines, there have been long lines. I've tried to volunteer. The volunteer slots go like you cannot.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah. People want to help. So anyway. That's that's a wonderful, wonderful birthday wish. So that's how folks can help. So um, anyway, there are top lines, there are polls. What's going on? Today... We have a shutdown that continues. It continues
1: to take its toll on federal workers, and it's beginning to take a toll on the president's political standing. We'll look at the latest data, specifically the big poll that came out from both Fox and CBS this week on what the latest is regarding the shutdown. Uh, Cardi B this past week has reminded us that the last shutdown, yes, Obama shut down the government for 17 days, but it was about health care. Right. Margie, have you seen this card? I have. Yes. <laughs>
0: OK. Uh, where do voters stand? With the sound on even. I did I did it. I, it's I, a little N- I did NSFW. It. No, it was good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I do enjoy. Just a
1: side note. I'm, I've already interrupted the top lines halfway through. Uh, Cardi B does appear to know more about policy than I would say... 50% I was really, of people in this
0: town I know I liked when she's like I don't know that's not my job like there was some self-awareness like, she's like that part is actually not, I'm Cardi B and that's somebody else's job hopefully that person's watching this and video and she was in a
1: Twitter war this week with like yeah. Tommy Laren and but she did at one point like somebody tweeted her like are you gonna pay for my health care and she was like I paid 4 million in taxes this year so I probably am paying for your health care I was just like oh my god Cardi B on policy is my it's good everything Okay, back to the top lines. Uh, We will take a look at where voters stand on the ACA and its alternatives like Medicare for All. Uh, Some fresh polling says that more Americans are saying climate change is personally important to them. We'll look at the trend line on that issue. And then the Brexit is when you tell someone you're leaving, but you don't actually go (laughs) anywhere. The opposite of that is ghosting. Yeah. What do people think is an acceptable ghost on Tinder? We will take a look.
0: Cool. Okay. So let's take
1: a look at the shutdown polling, because last week, Trump's job approval had taken a little bit of a hit, and I talked about how I went on Morning Joe, and they were like, no, this is a political dumpster fire, and I said, it probably will be, but we don't have the polls yet.
0: Yes. Now we have the polls. Now we have the polls. So there have been lots of So we were we're recording this on... Thursday. Yes, this is Thursday. We were on CNN yesterday when there was a, a CBS poll which showed tough numbers for Trump. There has been more polling that's come out since then. There was um, a Politico morning console poll that came out yesterday. There was a Fox News poll. There's um, there's more. There was Pew that came out like last week as we were recording. I mean, there are multiple, multiple polls and they all show AP poll. They all show a trend down in Trump's approval. Very clearly, if you look at the RCP aggregation, if you look at the 538 aggregation, they all show tough numbers for Trump. And so it's clearly shutdown related. Um, people you know feel that Trump's not doing uh, a good job on the shutdown. More folks think that Pelosi's doing a better job on the shutdown than Trump. Um, there's this question that you see in a variety of outlets looking like it's kind of, a you know, framing the shutdown. This is kind of my quibble with the polling, with the public polling. Like, how do you square off the wall versus, you know, the budget or the government being open as when it's not, you know, as if you're – whether or not you feel the wall is important or whether you feel immigration is a serious problem or a crisis is the lens through which you see whether or not we should have the government shut down when really it is you know that's not what this is about this is about is it appropriate to use shutting down the government as a way to solve a policy dispute and that's something where people feel like no that's just that's not an appropriate way to have this kind of conversation and the other last piece is Do people feel that there is an impact or are they seeing some sort of impact in their daily life of the shutdown? And it's beyond the 800,000 number that lots of people talk about. It's, you know, an impact for lots of people who need something from the government in some way or they know somebody or they know somebody who sells something or works with people who have been affected. So who may not get back pay. I mean, there are lots of ways that people are beginning to feel an impact. So in the CBS
1: poll, they ask two formulations of the question about, you know, what should the two main players in this whole situation do, President Trump and Democrats in Congress. When you ask, what should President Trump do now? 66% 66% say, agree to a budget without wall funding. And 31% say, no, keep it shut down unless they send you a budget with wall funding. When they ask it about Democrats, they say, which do you want Democrats in Congress to do now? 52% say, agree to a budget with wall funding, like give him the money. 43% say, no, refuse to fund the border wall. So you have 31% of the country, so this is the, this is the problem, this is why we can't, it's, we're not moving. 31% of the country says, heck no, don't do it unless there's wall funding. Then forty-three percent of the country says, heck no, don't you dare send them wall funding. And then there's this like slice in the middle that says yes to like both of them, right? There's a slice in the middle that says, Trump, you should agree without wall funding, and Democrats, you should just give them the money. Like someone just do something, I don't care which one. But that's a very small slice of America that like most of America says that either Pelosi or Trump should be holding their positions. And so that's why this isn't moving. That's There's not enough. And as we'll see, there's some polling that suggests more Republicans are beginning to say, well, one, the number is greater of people saying Pelosi should hold the line than saying Trump should hold the line. And Trump is beginning to lose a little bit of ground with Republicans. Um, you know, his job approval, I believe, among Republicans um, is down to in the APNORC poll is down to 77 percent, uh, which is not the lowest it's been. Again, it, it got ugly around the Charlottesville stuff right. in in summer late summer early fall 2017 so we're we're still not back there yet among republicans but we're getting real close there among independents we're past there among democrats although i mean it was that's a difference between like 6% job approval and 4% job approval right um but this is this is approaching The worst levels of his presidency. So this is this is the time that they need to be raising the alarm. And frankly, this is going to only get worse because on Friday uh, that's tomorrow is tomorrow Friday. I forget yes. what day, we're, what day still, are we recording? What day it's is today? Still Thursday. Where are we? Who am I? Uh,
0: who <laughs> am, am I, th- I? What am I doing here? Very <laughs> famous. Famous lines from debates of yore. Uh,
1: I was, and I'm, I'm, see, I'm thinking of the Talking Heads song. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful podcast. Um, tomorrow, the federal workers are going to miss their second paycheck. And there's a question that the Fox News poll asked that I thought was really interesting, which is asking people... Basically, how many paychecks could you miss before... Things got bad and yeah. you went into debt. Um, and what they find is that for people who, you know, 54 percent of voters say they couldn't miss more than two paychecks before they'd have trouble paying their bills. And one in five says they're paycheck to paycheck. You miss one payday, you're done. So you as the second paycheck gets missed, all of a sudden this begins to get even yeah. hairier because, may, you know, some people have saved up enough where if an emergency strikes and they need to cover bills for one month. It's not ideal, but they can. But now you see a majority of people say, like, two paychecks missed is all I can handle before things get right. real scary. Right. Um, so this is – if this doesn't end soon, these numbers have the potential to, it, not in an exponential, not linear <laughs> fashion, begin really cratering for the president.
0: Right, right. Exactly. I mean this is what we talked about last week and you're seeing in some of these numbers. It, it, what, there's only one direction that these numbers about the impact can go. If the shutdown continues. So, I mean, that's clear. And, you know, the numbers, depending on the poll and how they ask it, are in the 20 to 40% in terms of think this is serious, it has an impact, it's inconvenience people, that sort of thing.
1: Now, there's one sort of polling in the weeds story that came across my radar that I, I just noticed. It's not in our script, but we have the Marist NPR yeah. poll. Did you see the, the Twitter kerfluffle over the Latino subgroup?
0: Oh, a little bit, yeah. So
1: in the NPR Marist poll, which shows Trump's overall job approval with adults at 39%, which sounds about right, about that's in line yep. with where other polls are. Yep. For registered voters, it's 40% against about where things are. When you look at the partisan subgroups, Democrat 6%, Republican 83%, Independent 37%. That's all what you would expect. Like everything looks kind of right until you get to the race cross tabs. And there you have for white respondents, it shows 40% approve, 50% disapprove, which seems low. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: then for Latino, it has 50% approve, 46% disapprove, Hmm. which seems high. Yeah. So the the top line numbers all look right and looking at things by party ID, et cetera, all kinds of checks out. The National Association of Hispanic Journalists actually put out a pretty strongly worded tweet that sort of alleging that the poll was like fake news, like this is bad polling, um, which there was some pushback I saw from polling industry folks saying – like you have you're gone too far. I know you don't like that this poll shows that 50 percent of Latinos like Trump. And it's possible that this is an outlier. Like that's how polling works. But your statement is like impugning the the credibility of the NPR Marist people as if they're like bad researchers right, who like right. set out to find a fake news number. And that that like polling sometimes in a crosstab, especially with a small I think the particular Kerfluffle was that the sub is only like 150, 150 right which in a in a sample of a thousand like that's kind of right that's yeah. not that's not the problem right it's your margin of error on a sub sample that small is going to be pretty large is
0: large but and i don't know i mean look we don't know and i'm not saying that there's an issue there right is there some variation within if you compare the demographics of Latinos in this poll to Latino because I think people were comparing it to the Latino percentage in the previous NPR mayor's poll which I don't remember what it was um are there differences in education and party, gender, age between those two polls within the Latino population? And it doesn't mean that one is right or one is wrong or that the whole poll is something. That's just normal fluctuation. And, you know, most people don't, most outlets aren't aren't necessarily waiting th- within those subgroups that much, or they might be. But that's a that's another thing to look at, as, and that's more likely to be the reason that there's fluctuation from poll to poll rather than, like... 150 is bad. Everybody, you know, everybody panic.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to raise that because yeah. it was sort of an in the weeds polling industry story. But that's what we cover here. Um, and it just I think sometimes a subgroup in a poll is going to you're going to get a scorely yeah. answer. It happens from time to yeah. time. The problem is that if you are a reporter or if you are a Trump world you know, advocate spokesperson, you can gr- latch onto that number as if it's gospel truth and say, "Look, the most the group of, with you know Trump is shutting down the government over the wall, and he's most popular." And they Latinos. love me. Yeah. love you know, and and so that's yeah. I mean, that's the trouble. But I that's not NPR Marist's. That is fault. more an
0: analytical. That is more an analytical error. Yeah, than and a and look, error.
1: kudos to them for putting out the number, even though I am sure. That internally there were emails and like a phone call of like what the heck do we think happened here? I mean I had this I did a survey recently where I found like a somewhat high like name ID slash favorability for Alexandria Ocasio Cortez among conservative young men and oh, I was like
0: yeah I, I believe that I was like okay I was like is this the at
1: comfortably smug effect no, is this, this like, is like do I have like a di- is this just people like <laughs> ch- like clicking real fast through a survey no, I don't know you know no, so this so...
0: is have you seen like the onion joke like <laughs> Fox News offers a tw- new premium <laughs> channel, 24-hour-a-day Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez coverage.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> so
0: it, I'm not surprised at all.
1: Anyhow. But, but, I mean, that's the kind of finding where you sit and you, like, scratch your head for a little bit and you're like, there may have been some, you know, data collection. <laughs> Maybe there's some respondents trolling me. I don't know. But, like— you the data is the data, and you go where the data says, and you do your best to minimize. It's really
0: well-rounded like, and like to see
1: methodological what problems. Folks are. on the left are <laughs> talking about, but you can't just say that result looks weird, therefore
0: Kristen is bad. Yeah, <laughs> no, but that result looks right because <laughs> <laughs> the the guys the guys on your side they, there's a lot of coverage of her. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez is beloved by at comfortably
1: smug in his and his. Smugites, so it's entirely possible that that like should be its cross a cross tab of its own. Yeah, uh, but let's let's take a look at overall Trump job approval. So we have the five thirty eight average has him at fifty five point nine percent disapprove, thirty nine point five approve, which is again not moving in a good direction for him. RCP. The the notable thing when you look at the RCP chart is how much the disapproval has gone up. Like approval has gone down a bit and still in their average at about 41. But it's that disapproval that is now reaching its sort of – it's getting back up closer to those record highs as people who previously may have been undecided and gone – well, I don't like the tweets, but the economy's doing good. I don't know. I'm kind of checked out. Like, they're not checked out anymore. And they're not just like, oh, well, the economy is doing okay. Especially since you had Kevin Hassett, his, you know, head of his Council of Economic Advisors, say, oh, by the way, we might have zero economic growth this quarter because of the shutdown. Like, this is all... This is a snowball of bad yeah. headed for the White House, um, and and this the spiking disapproval means that previously undecided or swingy people are not swingy anymore. Yeah, yeah, at the moment.
0: Yeah, I mean, no, it's it, it, it certainly. I guess the question is. Well, one, we're seeing movement after a period where there had been a lot of stability. I mean, there was a lot of stability in Trump's numbers for quite some time. So this is some movement now. The question that people are asking is, oh, is it going to keep going? Does he have a floor? Does he Is he finally going to get out of his, this band? And, you know, we don't know. You'll have to tune in next week, right? Last week, we we're like, it's it could be getting worse. We're not sure. It doesn't really seem, you know, maybe a little bit. Now it definitely seems like it's gotten worse. If the shutdown continues, will it get worse still? what happens when there's a State of the Union, like, you know, all, there are all these different points that may affect this, or we'll see, does he have a base that is with him regardless? I mean, I think the other thing to note, while you s- we've seen some public polling that shows Republicans have surged in their support for the wall a little bit, not dramatically, but a little bit, um, this doesn't seem like Maybe you have a different perspective. but it, it, And I know the polling you know shows more intensity on the Democratic side than the Republican side. It doesn't seem like this is one of those things where Trump is trying to kind of excite his base and they're kind of like really excited. I mean, I think there are some folks who are on the right are saying this is, you know, this actually has a real impact. This isn't a kind of stick it to the man thing. This is, you know, we're not talking about opening the U.S. government, you know, <laughs> that's got some real, has a real downside. This isn't like a like a culture war rallying cry. I mean, I think in the same way, I mean, obviously there's immigration, but it's still when you see the impact of what, you know, what it means operationally, it's not simply like a Twitter, a Twitter fight.
1: Yeah. Well, this is, I think the the 31 percent that say you should refuse a budget until it has well funding from the CBS News poll. I mean, that's that is lower than the percentage of Americans who voted for him. That's yeah. lower. I mean, that's that's a pretty close to the floor of who you might think of as right. Trump's hardcore base.
0: And it's also, I should say, it's refuse a budget. It's not keep the government, clo- like if you had if that had been phrased about you know keep the government in sh- partial shutdown until then, you might have had it lower still. Yeah,
1: and and so but he does like the the poll of three that he cares most about, the sample is Ann Coulter, Stephen Miller and Sean Hannity. And, you know, as long as that still has a zero percent support for reopening the government, you know, it's that's that's the world we live in. And so I think even, you know, will there be someone in the White House? Will Jared or Ivanka or somebody begin looking at these poll numbers and really go like, hey, Mr. President, what do you what's what's the deal you? Do you want to win reelection um, until that happens? I mean, it's it's just hard for me to see this ending. Um, the other question, by the way, that got asked in these polls before we move on to health care stuff was about the state of the union. And this is the one where I feel like we could be on track for a situation on Tuesday where I actually think the politics would not favor Pelosi, even though most numbers that we've seen, Pelosi does better than Trump and is more popular now than she's ever been. You know all of that. Um, the question is, if the government is still in shutdown, should President Trump give the State of the Union? Forty-eight percent say yes, forty-eight percent say no. So it's kind of more support than for anything else the president wants to do during the shutdown. Mm-hmm. And if he shows up at the Capitol and says, "I'm here to give a speech," Congress has every right not to let him in. But I suspect that the politics of that would be bad. That like it would be better to just be like, "Fine." Give your speech and we're just not going to – like we Democrats just aren't going to come because the government's not open and we stand with workers. I like, actually like feel like a showdown between Trump and like Capitol Police would be real bad news. And if just – I mean in addition to being like something that happens in a country without actual democratic institutions would also – I think – my guess is that that would be worse politically for Pelosi than for Trump. That her smarter political move would just be like you can do what you want. Like – but she hasn't backed down, so we'll see. We've got a couple days until that
0: happens. Remember that year where everyone sat with their bipartisan friend?
1: No, what year was that? And that wasn't I, that. I long honestly ago. don't
0: remember this. There, I don't remember, remember what was happening. What is this on Earth too? Where <laughs> Jeb no, Bush is president? No, no. I've been it, trying to find the portal. I can't no, find the portal. No, but there was one year <laughs> not that long ago where everyone sat with someone from the other party, okay, like I'm and, Google this. and it 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 wasn't. I mean. You were around. It wasn't like a hundred years ago or anything. It was it was not that long ago. And um
1: Oh, State of the Union bipartisan seating stunt Fizzles. <laughs> yeah. USA Today. Yes, that would be the one. Uh, starting in 2011, and for a few years thereafter, lawmakers made a big show of reaching across they did the it for aisle, a few years. sitting in bipartisan pairings. It was fun while it lasted, but you won't see much of it anymore. I guess it started in 2011, and now nobody does it anymore because everyone hates each other except for us. I'd sit yes. by you at the State of the Union. Yes, end, yes.
0: If you invite us, we will sit together. <laughs> could, you could do one of those things where like people line up, you know, hours in advance. Anyway. Um, I liked. I mean, I was kind of intrigued by this question. It felt very colloquial in a way that I, I guess I'm undecided on how I feel about it. What, what should President Trump do about the State of the Union speech: deliver as usual or skip it? Like there was just something about that that I felt like was kind of refreshing and and but maybe too colloquial. I don't know. I don't know where is it. Just skip it. I and see. I
1: I will argue that I kind of like poll questions that talk the way people talk
0: right i actually think they skip it yeah
1: (laughs) are you good with people maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers well then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career a google career certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like it support project management data analytics and user experience design it's professional level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google slash certificates. Okay, let's talk a little bit about healthcare, because there's some really interesting polling out now from the Kaiser Family Foundation, which has always had a rich treasure trove of data about how people feel about all sorts of healthcare topics. Um A topic that is likely to get a lot of discussion during the Democratic primary is single-payer health care and Medicare for all. And what Kaiser Family Foundation has found is they've been asking this going back to, like, the late 90s. Um, Do you favor or oppose a national health plan in which all Americans would get their insurance from a single government plan? Back in the late 90s and early 2000s, a majority said no, they would oppose this. Only 40 percent said yes. By the time you get to the beginning of the Obama era, 2008-2009, it's a little more split, but still 49 percent oppose, 46 percent uh, favor, um, which, by the way, something here seems like a little squirrely with the, uh, the axis on the left side, but that's, that's neither here nor there, but um, of this chart. Kaiser Family Foundation people, if you're listening, something seems a little odd. We're like the... Anyhow. I mean, I, I get what they're trying to do there We're like it's, it's the bar of favorability, but I get what they're trying to do. Anyhow, so then by the time oh, you get... Oh, you mean it doesn't have a
0: total, has the two different slices have well i guess i guess
1: it's it's that like for instance you've got like the 50 percent number i mean it's it's showing you how much favor is but because you've also got the stacked bar there's like this line hovering out there it's like what is this line for yes uh so then you get above 50 percent support when you hit 2017 by the time you get to march 2018 it's 59 percent saying that they would support a national health plan in which all americans would get their insurance from a single government plan um so single payer, okay, sounds like it's it's moved in the right direction. But then when they ask people, um, would you want to expand, you know, Medicare for all versus an optional Medicare for all, so like a public option? Public option is much more popular um, than Medicare for all, which would require people to sort of not have their existing insurance and everyone move into a government plan. Um, Medicaid buy-in, the ability to buy into a public sort of option uh, is is very high. Medicare buy-in just for people of a certain age is very popular. But all of these things that look a little more like our current system just with a public option are more popular than Medicare for all. Um, and when you, I mean, Republicans obviously are very strongly opposed to Medicare for all. For independents, it is 53% favor, although that's kind of a soft favorability, 44% oppose. Um, It's a pretty strong oppose. Uh, They also then say, do you have a positive or negative reaction to the following terms? And this really underscores how Medicare for all is the much more like to get all words that worky about it. Medicare for all, 62 percent say that sounds great. But when you say single payer, that drops to 48 percent and socialized medicine, 44 percent. Right, forty four percent opposed. So right,
0: oh, but that's even, but that's essentially e- and even, even would still for a phrase that is kind of considered like I can't want to say a boogie phrase because that doesn't make any sense. But that you know, even with all that, that's like that's evenly divided, which I think is interesting. The thing about the charts, I just want to go back to the chart. It's because the oppose is like a just a similar shade of favor on a stacked bar, and if they were different colors or next to each other so not a stack bar but yes. columns either way or coming in from two different sides with like white space where the don't know would be it's because they're stacked and the same color that i think it can be pull slide
1: graphic design is like my it's
0: I, tough I have thoughts it's i know tough. And it is really just, tough and this is
1: the thing i torture my staff over the
0: most yeah, I mean, look, this is—I mean, this. I don't
1: torture them. I'm a really nice no, boss. Come work for me. But yes, this is the one thing that I'm a lunatic about.
0: Yeah, no, I I'm with you because it's you know because not to get in a whole digression because we're talking about Medicare for all versus single payer, but you have like two seconds for people to try and understand what the chart is when you're on, like showing it on a webinar or in a room, and for this, Webinars. the colors are the same colors on each slide. So in some slides from this thing, the the blues are different favors. And some of them, one's favor and one's opposed. So, so it is a little. It, I think if they mix up the colors, that would probably solve a lot of these issues. So the public, when they anyway, but to go the actual phrase. Sorry, coming back from colors. I think what's you know, healthcare is tricky. When you have phrases like single-payer, do people know what that means? The initial question that had tracking, I think, was clear in terms of what that means. But single-payer, which is a phrase everybody throws around, do people really know what that means, my senses, from looking at this Chart is no. They don't know what that means, or they don't know how that's different or the same from these other phrases.
1: Yeah, and then there's uh, there's a cool chart. It's their figure ten. It says uncertainties persist about national health plan provisions, and they ask people if a national Medicare for all plan was put into place. So it's the most popular wording of the plan. Right? Would you and your would you and your family um, would you have to pay more in taxes to cover the cost of health insurance? And actually seventy-seven percent of people say yeah, I would probably have to pay more taxes. Right. So they're not blind to that piece of things. Um that sixty-seven percent say yeah, I'd be able to access the health care I'd need. So they they're pretty positive about the the care they would get. But then fifty-five percent think they'd be able to keep their current health insurance, sort of missing that like this replaces that. You you would not have your current health insurance anymore. If it was a public option, you could choose, but if it was truly a national Medicare for All plan. Single payer means there's one payer and that's the government instead of you'd have your current insurance. And so that's one thing I think that conservatives believe would be like the look, you really can't keep your doctor this time. Well, there's a difference
0: between keeping your doctor and keeping your health insurance. There is. So what this chart doesn't have is would you be able to, you know, still go to your same doctors and. I don't know what the answer that would that would be, but probably similar to your health insurance plan. Yeah.
1: And 55% of people think that under Medicare for All, they'd be able to keep their current health insurance, which they would not be able to. It's unclear how right. much that information would change people's And
0: would fears. they care? Right. And would they care if you're like, oh, you can't keep your insurance plan, but you can keep your doctor? Well, yeah. How would that change? Thanks.
1: However, and this is a, the finding from the poll, it's their figure 12, that I think is the most relevant to... The Democratic primary is they just look at Democrats and they say between these two things, which would you rather them focus on? Passing a national Medicare for all plan. Thirty eight percent say that. Fifty one percent say, no, you should be more focused on improving and protecting the ACA. Right. So there may be less of an appetite for let's go all in on Medicare for all and more of a like let's fix the system we currently have. Yeah. This is just among Democrats. Right. Well, we'll see. We'll see how that evolves. So the next big topic that is going to be a big conversation piece in the Democratic primary is climate change. And we have some fresh data coming out of the Yale uh, Climate Communications crew. Andy Leiseritz.
0: Yeah. I mean, so this is one slide that was in the New York Times. And I think it's important um, because You now have 72%. It looks like a new high saying global warming. And they're using a phrase, global warming, which most people now say climate change. But global warming is extremely very or somewhat important to you personally. You have more saying that now than ever before. I'm not sure how I feel about that phrase I think it's this is one of those questions where they've been asking it for a long time. I'm not totally sure because is global warming? You know, it's not just that it's global warming versus climate change versus something else. Is that it? Is it important to you personally? And so, what does that mean? It's important to you personally. Is that important to you because? you like global warming or because you think it's important because you don't believe in it and you want to fight against people who are trying to you know have too many regulations or what is it I don't think that's what people are saying when they respond that it's important to them nonetheless I, I just want to flag that as a as a thing however that said i think this tracks with other stuff that we've seen which is This is an issue where voters may be on the move, but the political climate may not be on the move. Like, where's – how's the political climate track with the actual climate climate? And especially with new reports about how urgent it is that we take some action, are – Folks on the right in particular who, you know, are uninterested in taking action on this, are they going to be, you know, find themselves painted into a corner where they're not able to reach out to younger people who find this important or they're not able to reach out to folks who say like, well, you know, we could do something. We don't have to do nothing. So I think these numbers are potentially a warning sign of things to come politically.
1: The other thing that I just, on a side note, before we started recording, we were talking about how neither of us has yet seen Vice, but there's a a scene in Vice with um, a redheaded, sneakered, besneakered, qualitative researcher uh, who may or may not be Franklin's, um, doing research on, you know, all the stuff that Dick Cheney wants to do or implement through his agenda. and. I have not seen the movie, but one of the big complaints that I've heard from friends who have seen it... Well, first, Patrick was just, like, floored that there was a focus group scene in this movie. Like, it's the greatest thing ever. He's oh, like, was overjoyed and thought it was hilarious. Um, but I guess in the movie, and for those who have seen it, correct me if this is an incorrect characterization, they, there's, like, a, an insinuation that it is Frank Luntz and Dick Cheney who, through their focus group dark magic... Come up with the idea to change things from global warming to climate change. And my my like right of center friends were like, the conservatives didn't do that. Like we didn't, that wasn't us. <laughs> that was that was the like that was scientists and progressives changed it from global warming to climate change. That wasn't like a like conservatives wouldn't have changed that. That was a in fact, that's why conservatives keep using the phrase global warming, that it's that like that was one of the things that the movie got wrong was that it was like insinuating all of these language changes were a result of like the Frank lundstick Cheney
0: axis, okay, so I just have you this up. Okay. yes, I've just fact because I do remember this, and so here this is in five thirty eight uh, Yale by way of five thirty eight um So last week, when is this story from? This story is from... Oh, I just found a Guardian story about this. ...2014, Um, and so this is a while ago, this article. Uh, Yale released a study showing that people are more likely to fear global warming in quotes and take part in a campaign to stop it than they are climate change. Yale's report echoed research by George W. Bush pollster Frank Luntz, who had argued that the Bush White House should use climate change instead of global warming because it sounded less scary. Democrats are more likely to believe the earth is warming and human activity is the main cause. So, but then I think there are different, you know, ang- there are different angles to all this. I mean, I think the first, you know, yeah, climate ch- change sounds like, well, today it's raining and tomorrow it's, you know, tomorrow it's a little bit icy and then Friday will be a wintry mix. You know, I think that's like climate change sounds like just things that happen and global, you know, global warming. But at the same time, global warming sounds very specific. And so if it's not getting hot at that moment, is that even a real thing? Because there's storms and you know there's all kinds of you know extreme weather patterns right that are not necessarily warming per se and so is the phrase global warming less precise than climate change and then i think other folks in, who do climate change work just say they work on climate yeah, they just say climate. So, uh, they don't- so,
1: this is this was a good fact check because it it is therefore true that it was recommended by Frank Lens that people stop saying global warming and start saying climate change, but it strikes me that this is like suggesting that they call it climate change to boost the the like position of Republican environmentalists, which would not be I don't know. Well, I haven't seen Vice, so I'm probably not going to see vice.
0: Well, I think it sounds less scary. It doesn't sound like, you know, well, this is global warming sounds like, well, maybe if it becomes 20 degrees hotter, that's bad, right? Or 10 degrees. It doesn't have to become 20 degrees hotter for it to be bad. It could become one degree hotter. And that's obviously has a lot of impact. But if it's climate change, then, you know, that's just a bunch of small changes that people may feel less urgent or less urgent. I
1: really thought that it was progressives who wanted the change because global warming was so easy to attack on the grounds that like, look, it's it's not hot today. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, fascinating. I'm gonna go take this back it's to my, complicated. Uh, my my buds at the Sub Beacon and blow their minds with drop <laughs> drop this drop this link. You're drop uh, some get excited, Sunny Bunch! I'm coming to fact check you as soon as we finish taping this episode. <laughs> uh, okay, let's wrap up with ghosting.
0: Ghosting. I love that there's a poll on this in BuzzFeed. And have you ever ghosted somebody? I guess – I don't think of ghosting as being a Tinder. So they talk about Tinder specifically. Have you ghosted people on Tinder after talking to them? And lots of people have done that, it looks like. I think of ghosting as beyond Tinder. So ghosting meaning like you have a connection with somebody and then – you never talk to them again and and you don't say why you don't say it's been nice this is not my it's not my jam i'm i'm busy at work right now whatever it is i got a lot of things going on sorry it's not you it's me whatever it is instead you just stop returning calls um and so but i guess on tinder it's probably a thing i don't know i've never i, I wouldn't know but um cuz this is i'm um, i'm not old enough old enough to i'm old enough to remember when there weren't all these apps right so i don't remember what it was like back in the day but the ghosting thing it seems like there's that that's a pretty common behavior
1: yeah so uh having never used these apps i'm just reading off the page but it's this this writer seems to have used a sample of the people that they talked to on tinder to say that of the 43 people i talked to on tinder i ghosted 29 and then codes them as ghosted after talking to them or simply never responded to them. But then how do they wind up in the sample of people I talk to on Tinder if you never – I guess if, if there was a talking interaction in either direction, they count. Well, anyhow, and then this person says, oh, I was ghosted by six. Five ne- ghosted after talking to me and one never responded.
0: At what point does someone owe you some form of closure? After messaging with you, after going on one date, more than one date, having other kinds of interaction that are more (laughs) intimate after meeting your friends, after meeting your family. After meeting your family, I think that's fair. You cannot go somebody after meeting your family. That's not right. 94% say you owe somebody some form of closure. But 7% say you owe someone a form of closure after messaging with them. I don't know that seems like. It's a little more closure than one really needs. No, <laughs> like I, how much closure do you need? Yeah, that seems. I don't have time for that kind of cl- that. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have that time for that kind of closure. I would
1: also like to preemptively. Uh, Richard is like his. He's That's making the like tagging. galaxy brain ma- get motion right here <laughs> over in the corner. I gotta got chime in here. Okay. How is the number of you owe someone closure less for after having intimate relations than going on more than one day? Um. <laughs> mm. Uh, I,
0: I think know. that's just the nature of Tinder? Question mark? <laughs> 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 <I'm> sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry um Yeah. Gen- I think we need a new Fire Festival 3 that goes into <laughs> these kinds of categories. I, oh, wanna, I don't know that I want to watch I wanna that know, documentary. No, I no. want to know a man bun guy and...
1: Billy no, McFarlane
0: think about but this. All the
1: fire festival people were getting ghosted by the fire organizers <laughs> before they all got on a plane to the Bahamas and were like, "I hope
0: this works." Oh my gosh! Here we go. I know. Uh, I, cannot I get loved over like it. all I the questions. They're like, "Are are, are there going to be outlets in the tents?" You know. <laughs> I don't know. I remember. They're like, "These are very reasonable questions," and people have, "What should we say?"
1: Anyway, I I would also like to preemptively apologize for anyone that I ghost once March rolls around and Google eliminates Google Inbox because that is the way I manage my email and it's going away and it makes me very sad. Yes, Gmail will still exist, but Google Inbox, the best way to consume your Gmail content is going away and I am devastated. This is like going to be a productivity altering phenomenon. And I'm definitely going to miss emails that I need to respond to. I'm going to ghost people inadvertently. It's going to happen, so I apologize in advance, everyone, if I uh, if I ghost you.
0: Good. I'm gonna use. I'm gonna use. Yeah, sure. Me too. If I don't respond to your email, I'm sure that's why. Um, okay. So <laughs> whatever Kristen said. Okay. What's on the trend line this week? Uh, this week
1: we are going to be talking to Bruce Melman. I have oh, Bruce Melman talking green. about his, his whole charts. his charts about. Uh, the permis- per- the world of permission.
0: I liked that as a We're theme. I thought that was good.
1: permission anymore. And then-
0: That was good. So wait, had- Bruce Melman, he was a guest on the show over the summer and we talked about tech jobs. He does these great charts once a quarter. He released one like two, a set like two weeks ago mm-hmm. that you're going to be talking about. And it's, you can find it. It's pretty public. So. And then
1: we have Congressman Dan Crenshaw booked- Um, Who you may recall from SNL Pete Davidson drama fame. Yes. Um, He is booked. And although I, so I'm always cautious because members of Congress, their life is crazy. You never know. But he's booked for me to interview tomorrow. So tune in this weekend.
0: All right. That's cool. Um, Okay. So key findings. If you're looking to help folks who are affected by the shutdown, don't forget World Central Kitchen. Uh, You can find them online. They're very easy. Um, The climate right now is cold, but folks may turn up the heat. Um, Elected officials who don't focus on climate and don't ghost us. Make sure you stay in touch with us. We would like closure. Don't ever ghost us.
1: You can find us on Twitter at, at @thepolsters individually at AtMargieOmero and at KSoltis Anderson at www.ThePolsters.com or on Facebook, where you can engage with the small but vocal community of those who listen to our show and really wish that I was Phyllis Schlafly. <laughs> on that note, have a great one, guys. Bye. Don't Thanks. go to any festivals where you are not sure that they actually exist. Yes. Pro tip for the week. And we'll talk to you next week. Yes. Bye.